This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Today's episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app today to find great deals on sports and concert tickets near you. Go to the settings tab of the app and enter promo code SHANE20 and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where myself, Shane Told, talks to other lead singers about what it's like to front a band. Before we get into the episode, I want to thank everybody for the feedback. Last week, wow, what an episode. My favorite one for sure so far with my friend Will from Aiden and William Control. He really put himself out there. And I actually went back and I listened to that podcast. And I think I've listened to it all the way through three or four times now. And wow, if you guys missed that one, definitely go back and check that out. Um, as I said, I love hearing feedback from you guys. So please get in touch about anything you want. We have an email address that's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I don't always get back to everybody, but I do read all my email. Also, we got a Snapchat, which is my personal Snapchat, which I'm quite good at replying on for some reason. And that's real Shane told Shane told was taken. Also, we're on Twitter at lead singer sin S Y N and on Instagram at lead singer syndrome. So please check all that out today. We have a great episode. I talked to Garrett rap of the color morale who is quite a bit different from, you know, the classic lead singer, the classic, you know, you think back to the seventies and the eighties and how these lead singers were mysterious and they would keep distance from the fans, you know, and, and it would be like, Oh my God, you met that guy. That's so crazy. Garrett is not like that. Garrett is very accessible to his fans and he's made that important to him. And that's pretty much what the color morale is known for. We talk about that a lot in this episode. We talk about a lot of other things, but uh, I want to let you guys know the color morale. They have a brand new album. It's coming out August 19th. The song walls is out right now and they're on the entire warp tour. So go see them, go check them out. I'm sure if you walk around, you'll find Garrett and he'll talk to you about pretty much anything. 
I'm going to try to keep this intro short, but if you want to support the show, it's super, super easy. Do you buy things online? Do you sometimes buy things on Amazon? They sell everything. So if you do, all you got to do is go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. That takes you right to the Amazon homepage. You log in as normal and anything you buy, our show gets 4%. And that stuff can add up. So please, anytime you're going to buy something online, just pop in that URL. It'll take you right there and you're good to go. All right, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Garrett Rapp of The Color Morale. Dude, it's been a long time since I talked to you. I know, I know. I was thinking about that, like that last tour that we did. Like, I've been thinking a lot about like the last couple of years of touring and how much I, you know, you get to the end of the tour and you're like, I didn't fucking hang out with them like at all. Yeah, I know, or, like, man. I didn't do anywhere near like I, especially going on Warped again next week. I thought about Warped 2014 and how much I didn't hang out with you know, friends that were on the tour, like that I wanted to, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's weird how that happens too. like, um, different tours. There's a different vibe. Um, you know, and it also, a big thing that, that people don't talk about is a big part of it is like the routing. You know what I mean? Because if, if, if you're in a van, like you guys were and that, like that, it was the, the, we came as Roman store that we did together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And remember those drives were like ruthless. They were brutal, yeah. And they were some and of the weirdest like markets and weirdest venues we played, and that's what you can chalk it up to, you know. Yeah, when you guys yeah. have to leave like right after you play because you got to drive overnight, and then everyone's tired all day. Like, no wonder nobody's hanging out, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I know, like that, I did. I kind of made like a like a personal goal for myself to do merch for the band, like right. as much as humanly possible. So that that's like. At the same time, like I'm glued to that table all night because there's kids that want to hang out and talk, and you know it's sure. like, man, it was it was brutal. I'd get in the van after some of those nights and just we'd go to a gas station and get food, and before I even ate it, I fell asleep. You know, uh, yeah, man. Well, that's I mean that's like a great place to jump in right there. I mean that's you know you're the guy that's kind of known for you know putting himself out there. That's you know always available to his fans. Um, how did that kind of start with, with that? And was that, I mean, was that a conscious decision to do that or did it sort of just happen? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that kind of all started around our, our third record time. We did an album called No Hope. Yep. Um, and I think that was a time in my life where I was going through a divorce. Um, I was going through a lot of life changes. Uh, I think I was really struggling with, uh, I think I've struggled with depression since I was a kid and, you know, something that kind of detrimental can really trigger, uh, you know, pretty, pretty extraordinary levels of that. So I think for me, um, you know, when I, when I kind of seclude myself, that's when I get in my own head and, and I start, you know, becoming, a, a just, uh, 
a roadblock for myself. Um, so I, I kind of figured, you know, maybe if I go to merch and I put myself there, um, you know, and, and mind you, this is the time in it, the band was just kind of starting to grow, uh, going from our second to third record. And we, we hadn't really gained a, a huge fan base yet or anything. It was, uh, you know, it was a, a very, a very stressful time doing that no hope record. That was, uh, I think there was a point in time where I actually quit the band for like a week while we we're in the studio. Uh, so wow. I was driving, driving back and forth seven hours, uh, one way, you know, a handful of times going through a divorce process. And it was a, it was a very difficult time. Um, so when we started touring on that record, you know, I thought maybe to be proactive and to really be, uh, try to be optimistic, I'll be a merch and I'll, I'll, you know, just hang out and talk to, talk to whoever wants to talk. Um, sure. And it was kind of crazy, like putting out the record, um, you know, with the theme that was on the record and, uh, so many people connected to the, to the lyrical content and, and the place where I was personally. So, you know, I think that's, uh, that's something that, that impressionable and, and young adults struggle with even more prevalently now than ever, uh, is, you know, just, detrimental subject matter um whatever it may be so you're talking about like, like you're talking about other bands and, and sort of being negative um no more so just just being you know being a young adult in society nowadays okay. I, I feel yep. like i feel like you know how many times do you, kids are kids are all about social media you know how many times do you scroll through facebook and just see how fucking bummed out everybody is. Right. I got rid of Facebook. I got rid of Facebook years ago for that reason. Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't handle exactly. it anymore, man. It's, uh, I learned a while ago, like, you know, you got to stop reading comment boards. You have to stop reading comment sections because it's, kids are just so ignorant nowadays, you know? And it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're doing your part. I mean, like, that's, that's one thing. I mean, obviously, um, I think most people listening to this probably know who you are and they probably know a little bit about your past because, um, as I heard you say once, you're, you're, you're kind of an open book. And um, I think that you know you putting yourself out there is important to you uh, so people kind of understand where you're coming from. But if you don't mind starting a little bit from the beginning um, of you know, kind of how you got into where you are, you know, being this – singer this lyricist this um in some ways uh i don't want to say social worker but in a way you kind of are like the scene social worker and i kind of want to just talk about how you got involved with you know music punk rock and then how you ended up being in a band and and here you are today if and also you know your kind of your journey with uh uh through you know your own depression and stuff if you don't mind yeah if you mind kind of uh, telling us the uh the story yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a story a lot of people probably don't know. So it's kind okay. of a well, we kind got of a, we got kind of lots of, cool of time. Thing to go so through. that's the beauty of this uh, show is you know you feel free to be long winded, and that's the whole thing is like having all those little details that maybe not everyone knows that are you sure, know, sure. important. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of ironic. Like I I never really had like ambitious rock star dreams or or wanting to be a guy in a band or, you know, wanting to be a singer at all, really. Um, I kind of just ended up in a band on accident, to be honest. Um, so I guess, I guess I'll started back. Um, I was around 15 or 16 years old. I used to run a, an indoor skate park called the pit skate park in Rockford. 
Um, cool. And I, I booked punk rock shows there, little DIY shows. Um, I think I think Silverstein played a show there a really? long time. We're talking like ten plus years ago. Really? At the in? Did you say Rockford? Yeah, Rockford, the Illinois, at the Pitt Skate Park. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, man. this is uh, I, this is years ago, like a long time ago. I think I might remember this, but it's very foggy. But yeah, I, I have. We have. We've documented like all of our shows ever, so I can find it pretty quick. But but yeah, I, I mean, that's it. Very well might be true. Yeah, I think it was a show with like Emery and man. I'm trying to think of who else was on. This was a long time ago. It's very. <laughs> but, it's very possible. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, I used to I used to book like little punk rock shows there. Um, I was a pretty serious bike rider back in the day, and I I do like traveling stunt shows and my my job when I came home was to run the skate park. Um, wow. So there was a little quarter pipe there. Um, there was an old punk rock band. Uh, they used to play, they used to practice there. One of the guys that, uh, worked in the skate park, um, used to have his bands, you know, it was like their, their little rehearsal spot under, underneath a quarter pipe. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it was, it was very like, uh, the, the foot clan layer from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Um, <laughs> I totally know what you mean. Have you ever played yeah. the, um, the venue in Montreal, um, Fufoons Electronique? No. Foofs, they call it sometimes? No. Okay, it's like a bar. Everyone hangs out with it after. And it's like the same. It's like a venue, but they have like a skate park. And every time I'm in there, I always like reminds me of the, uh, the Foot Clan lair. Yeah. And when I yeah. was a kid, I remember seeing that movie and being like, Man, I want to join the Foot Clan. This looks awesome. I know exactly. <laughs> I was like, the the setting for that is exactly you know what the skate park was. It right, was, uh, right. You know, I found that place when I was in high school. Um, I, I didn't really have any friends in high school. I was kind of the. I started a new school freshman year. Um, you know, I, I had uh, I had a single mother, divorced parents, so I. I kind of had a disconnect at that point in my life from, from people and, you know, my surroundings. So when I found the skate park, um, that was kind of a cool, you know, I was, I was literally joining like the foot clan. There was a, there was a group of guys that rode there all the time and guys that skated and they were just, you know, like-minded and, and awesome people. And, and that was kind of my thing that I did every day. I went to the skate park. Um, right. So, so that was sort of your escape. Of, at the, that was sort of your escape at that. Yeah, point. yeah, that was yeah. my uh, that was my creative outlet where I I felt like I fit in and I felt like you know I felt comfortable. Um, so you know, fast forward, I think I'm like 16 years old, and the guy that owns a skate park um, comes up to me. I was literally like that that park rat that was there every day of the week, yep. and uh, he comes up and he's like, "Hey, man." what do you got going on this weekend? Are you, are you busy? And I was like, yeah, I was just going to be here all weekend. Um, to be honest. And he had a wedding that he had to go to out of town in like Minnesota. So he asked me, you know, Hey, if I teach you how to run the register and program the alarm, can you run the skate park for a couple of days, uh, and work wow. and, you know, and lock up at the end of the night. And, and you know, mind you, I'm like 16 years old <laughs> and extremely like extroverted. So I'm not like, you're, you know, assertive, like confident. Yeah, I can totally do this kind of kid. So I learned all this stuff and I learned how to do the register and, and program the alarm in like 10 minutes. And then he left and, uh, you know, I, I wanted to like, I was like, man, this would be like my first job. Like, so I wanted to make a, you know, make an impact. And 
I went and like mopped the whole skate park after we closed and I was there early the next day, cleaned the whole pro shop and organized and wow. He came home and he was like, "Dude, this this is this is amazing. Like place looks brand new." And I was like, "Yeah, just it's a dirty skate park, so <laughs> something to do, you know." <laughs> so uh then he just kind of offered me a job and and that became like my my second home. Um so I feel like music and and you know, BMX and skateboarding at that point were, were very synonymous. And naturally, uh, I moved the skate park closed in 2004, I believe. Um, I moved to Oklahoma for a year. And when I moved back, uh, one of the kids that I knew that, that skateboarded there asked me, Hey man, we got this band. Like we need a singer. Um, do you want to join this band? And I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about singing. So no, <laughs> not really. And he's like, well, we know you can get a shows cause he used to book shows. Right. Uh, and so we you're know like, you're what a writer. Am I, just the show guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know anything about, you know, that I, I knew how to, how to be at a show and enjoy music cause you know, and right. I knew how to write. So anyways, I ended up going to like going to practice and you know, I was like, bring your notebook. Like I know you write all the time and you know, like that's kind of what I wanted to do in, in high school was be a journalism major or, you know, at that so point. So writing I, was, um, writing was important to you earlier in your, in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think writing was something I found, uh, when I was young as kind of a, kind of a coping mechanism. Um, I went through a lot of, a lot of heavy stuff when I was young. So, you know, writing was an, a way for me to, to put it in front of me and, and process and kind of, right. kind of get out of my own head. Um, so it's funny, like, you know, I hear so many kids talk about, you know, well, I want to, I like to write, but I don't know how I could ever make a career out of it. I'm not a writer. And it's like, dude, if you have a napkin and a pencil, you're a writer. <laughs> like, of you know, I'm not a, a intellectual genius. I, you know, I just, I just like to be creative. I'm a right brainer and I like to write things that, uh, express myself, you know, through, um, well, I the like other to, thing too is I like, like to be creative. The other thing too that people need to understand, and I'm sure there's a lot of aspiring writers that listen to the show. It's like you're going to get better. You know, the first oh, thing yeah, we yeah. wrote, the first thing you wrote that I wrote that anyone wrote was probably pretty crappy. You know, like you have to go through a lot of, you know, uh, figuring it out yourself and and going through the uh, trial and error of of you know of writing and especially you know when we get into singing and we talk about that like. That's the ultimate trial and error thing. No one's good oh, right yeah. away. You know, no. I mean, like maybe Johnny Craig, but we'll talk about him later. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but it's true. Like there, there, you know, there's not a lot of people in this world that have that God given talent. Most people, yeah, if it's... not, you know, 99.999 and the rest percent of people work for it. And that's what I think people need to understand. Right. You have to start somewhere like, I, I, exactly. I don't feel like I ever had a, a God-given gift. I mean, you oh, know, me like even as a singer in a band, like we go up and play in front of, you know, hundreds of people constantly. But like, man, if I look at my childhood and, and you know, my upbringing, like where I came from, I, I wasn't social at all. I didn't, I couldn't stand in front of two people and even finish a sentence at one point in my life, let alone, you know, a crowd every night and playing shows ab about extremely, you know, raw and organic elements of my life. Like <laughs> That's crazy. So, right. it's, you know, not, not a lot of people 
you know, have that God given gift. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's work ethic and how much you want to, you want to put in. It's, you know, the, the old, you get what you give mentality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you got new music through the skate park. Um, was that, was this band kind of the beginning of color morale or was it a totally different band? Um, yeah, this was, uh, this is Steve, Steve and I, Steve's a drummer. Um, him and him and I are the two original members of this old band. Um, what was, you, what know, were you guys and, called? It was called the killer apathy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this, it was, you know, we had the two front men, the screamer and the singer thing. And it was, you know, and which one were you? I was the singer. Okay. And at that point, I think I sounded like, imagine if there was like a, a band where Alvin fronted the band and the, the chipmunks, but <laughs> Alvin was the singer. That was me in this band. <laughs> it was, okay. uh, yeah, and and if you're listening, don't even bother trying to find the music. It's not <laughs> even worth it. <laughs> but it was it was funny because like those song the songs we had one we had two EPs, um, you know, as a as a local band, and yeah. th- we never toured, we never did anything outside of the Midwest. Um, and, and you know, like listening back, like Steve has been a a prodigy. Like talk about God given gift. Oh, okay, yeah. that's that that's that kid in drumming. So it's like, you know, Steven as a drummer and the guitar players in the band at the, at the time, uh, were unreal. They were so talented. And I'm like, you know, do, 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 do this dude who can't <laughs> sing to save his life. Like I end up in this band with these great musicians and it's like, you know, they, they set a bar really high. So it was kind of cool. It was, uh, it was very challenging for me to, to, to learn quickly. Like I had to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so and not only singing, but the, the dynamics of, of being a front man and, and being, a you know, leading a crowd and all the, so would you say at that time you were kind of just sort of pretending that you knew uh, what you were doing? Because that's something that comes up a lot on this show, which is the whole, you know, fake it till you make it. Yeah. I I feel like at that point, I didn't even know what pretending meant. (laughs) I was like, you know, like, uh, I guess I just, grab a, this microphone and I, I just, uh, do whatever I feel like doing, you know, at well, that what point, about, like, though. I mean, that's like, that's what it should be about is about expressing yourself. Yeah, exactly. I, at that point in time, I think my favorite band was American nightmare. Um, so, oh, yeah. you know, just to, to see Wes go up and, you know, he did, there's no script. There's no, we jump here together or we throw our guitars together. And, you know, no, at, I've never been that way and I, I could never be that way. Um, not, not judging bands that do that. It's just for me personally, I, I have to just act how I feel in the moment and, you right. know, I get it. hope that I don't look like a dumbass. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, I, at that point in time, it was, uh, you know, and I look at my, like my surroundings and, you know, I was, I was seeing punk rock bands play every weekend. Um, you know, I, I'd see bands like, one of my favorite memories back in the skate park days was um, I got there at like 11 a.m. to fill the pop machines and get ready for this big show that we were having in this band I'd never heard of. Um, but we're supposed to be a pretty big rock band. And uh, so I'm filling the pop machines and the, the I get a knock on the door and I go and I open the door and there's this dude standing there. I love that you say pop because we say pop here too. We don't oh, say, yeah. yeah, we don't say soda. We say pop. Anyways, continue. What is soda? I don't even know what soda is. Can I have a soda? <laughs> yeah, no. Um. <laughs> anyway, so, sorry, continue. I get this knock on the door, and uh, 
this guy is like, hey, man, um, my name's Chuck. Uh, we got here kind of early. Is it cool if we uh, we heard you guys got like a seven-foot bowl in here? Could we come in and skate? Uh, or, you know, I know you're not open yet. And I was like, yeah, dude. Um, I'm just filling the pop machine, so I'll turn the lights on. I hope and, this uh, is the Chuck I think it is, but continue. Yeah, so so the I look out, and they've got this RV, and they, you know, a couple of dudes just kind of chilling. It was like a 1,000 degrees. So they're just right. chilling with their shirts off, drinking a PBR. So they... <laughs> They come in the park and, uh, you know, we, I had no idea who this band was and, and we're, we're just chilling, riding the bull. I got my bike and hanging out with these guys. And, and, uh, so I'm like, so what do you guys call? He's like, Oh, we're called hot water music. Yeah, there it is. I was like, Oh yeah, you guys have a record. I just got, um, cause I saw, we, I saw, we booked you guys. So I, I checked out one of your CDs. I went up to the CD store cause that's what you did back then. You went to a CD store. Yeah, uh, of course. And I, I got one of the records. They were awesome. And it, it was, uh, you know, just the, the most down to earth dudes. Like we ended up riding for a couple hours and they're like, man, we really appreciate it. Like, you know, tonight, if there's anything in a merch table you want, just, just go take one of everything, like, nice. you know, whatever. So I still have that hot water music hoodie to this day. I have a, I have an well, old hot water music hoodie too. That's just like says hot water music across the front, pull over. It's got the, like the logo on the back. Um, that's funny, man. You bring up hot water music because, uh, that for Silverstein, it was one of our biggest influences. Uh, it's Billy, our bass player's favorite band of all time. He has, he has the most insane hot water music vinyl collection. He has yeah. literally, he's literally everything they've put out and he has records that there's only one of and he has them. Yeah. So, yeah. So when we got a tour with hot water music, I remember back in like Oh four and that was to us, like that was the pinnacle of the career like when we were like yeah you know people ask you like the the cliche questions like hey garrett man when did you know you like you made it you know like that question and <laughs> if like, i have any right and if i have yeah. any answer it's when we got confirmed as direct support on a hot water music tour we were like oh <laughs> right. man like this is the best thing ever because and right. and then of course like the nicest guys like chuck reagan is just like the su- biggest sweetheart ever the coolest guys. I mean, like just just riding riding the the bowl together. And I didn't know who the band was. I, I didn't, yeah. you know. I was just like just riding the park and hanging out with a bunch of dudes that were just super down to earth and super laid back. And you know, come to come to like fast forward all these years later, and it's like, man, that's one of my favorite bands now. Like, yeah, I, I think they were a favorite band before I even heard them play music. Like, you know, it's that's, funny. Like, yeah, that's such a cool thing. Yeah we have so many friends and bands that it's like, you know, we can to be totally honest, man. I'll probably never listen to your band, but I will watch you guys all the time just cause I love you, dude. Like you're one of my favorite people on earth, but I'll probably never listen to your band. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have so many, I have so many friends like that in bands where, and I know it's the same, you know, it's, it's, you meet so many cool like-minded artists on the road where it's like, you know, I, I just feel connected and naturally, you know, a friend because of, you know, how similar our lives are and, and how, you yeah. know, we both choose the same, same creative outlet. It is funny though, how, yeah, we all seem to listen to like bands like hot water music and American nightmare yet. None of our bands sound like hot water music. or American I know nightmare. it's, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> so. Like, you know, I, I look at like, even, even in the color morale internally, like our band is so diverse as to what we, what we listen to, what we're influenced by, like, right. you know, you always get those like, Hey, make us a, make us a Spotify playlist of like, you know, your, your top three favorite bands of all time or three favorite songs. And it's like, you look at that list 
And you're like, dude, like, really? This is crazy. Like, I know. I've, We're the same way. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's wild. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like there's parts of our bands that wouldn't be who we are without those, those influences, you know, with the, oh, it's absolutely. And I think the ethic too is the biggest thing, right? Because oh, there's yeah. a big difference between, you know, whatever, if you, I don't know what you want to call color morale. Like you're, you're not a punk band. That's for sure. Neither is Silverstein. However, like growing up with punk rock, our ethics are punk rock, you know, like you're at the merch table, you know, I mean, not just after shows, you're there the whole time you're there. Like you're accessible to your fans. Like, Anyone that didn't grow up the way you grew up, you know, where kids are skating with the bands and then everyone just goes on stage like wearing what they were wearing or whatever, like moshing for other bands, like that's the way you grew up. That's why you have that mentality. And that's a big part of of what you represent and who you are. Yeah, those were the bands I, I connected with and watched every right. weekend. You know, right. like that's man, right. the, that's had... the thing, man. Music is the music is secondary to the ethics, and that's like yeah. a, a big thing that when people say, oh, they're not punk rock, it's like, well, they might not play punk rock, but they're punk rock. Do you know what I mean? It's Yeah, yeah. So It was cool, like, like getting to grow up and see, I mean, back in the day, like, you, you name it, like, seeing bands like Face to Face or Mill and Colin or, yeah. uh, you know, man, there, there were so many bands that came through that skate park back in the day, and this is when I was, like, you know, 14 like the first band first concert i ever went to in my entire life i saw gutter mouth <laughs> and that was like wow you, you really know, took it the other way there man yeah that was <laughs> just like you didn't follow in their footsteps i don't know i don't know what you'd be telling kids yeah and it's you know <laughs> from from then on like i i i had certain friends in my life um uh, one of my, my best friend greg dixon he introduced me to so many bands back then like that's you know, through him, I found propaganda and oh, through yeah. propaganda, I found, favorites. yeah, how to, how to talk about reality, you know, whatever, whatever your reality may be, just how to be just completely honest through your music, you know, no matter right. what genre, no matter, you know, that was, that was one of the bands that I found young that I, you know, man, why not just put a, uh, nine tracks of of the word fuck being yelled a thousand times like <laughs> you know but at the same time like they they had some of the most serious political views uh you know i didn't oh, know yeah. anything about politics when i was young but well that propaganda is like the whole reason i'm a vegetarian you know i was yeah for yeah while. The, like single-handedly like without that band i don't think i would have ever learned you know about that whole world and everything you know so they're I mean, they're one of my favorite bands and one of my biggest influences, just not even musically, just like in my life. Right. So absolutely, man. Yeah. That, that seeing bands like that, that, you know, poured a foundation before I even, I even wanted to be in a band, you know, like, yeah. I, so, I remember we ahead, booked a band equal vision. Van. I have so many stories from those days. Like I could be on here all day <laughs> with stories from the, from the skate park days, but um, do you remember a band, Equal Vision band called Fairweather? Yes, I do. They were awesome. Seeing that band, that made me want to sing. You know, like the wow. the first time I saw Fairweather, like that the dude that sang in that band was incredible. He's like had one of the coolest, like unique tones to a voice I'd ever seen. Yeah, it's, you know, seeing them play that made me like, wow, I want to. I like everything about this band. Like, That's funny. They roll through town, yeah, here in in. 
in Toronto area. I don't remember where the show was. I think in the suburbs. And that, they had the same reaction. Like, people love that band so much from seeing them live. Yeah. Um, and then I remember getting their record and being like, their record's good. But, like, their live show was what? Incredible. Exactly, yeah. And I'm, like, I'm staring at a poster right now that was, like, a promotion poster we had at the at the skate park that I have framed on my wall right now right, to remember right. that moment. That's you know? awesome, man. But so, isn't, it, so when isn't you- it wild? Like, we can make those moments for kids now. Like, yeah. you ever just get, like, that's, you know... I have that epiphany all the time where I'm like, I'm the, I get to create those moments for other people now. It's, you know, it's it's amazing how long it took me to realize that I I never, you know, like, like the first time I ever saw a kid with a tattoo, like of our artwork, my initial reaction was I just ruined this guy's life. You know what I mean? Like this guy's going to have this on his arm forever. And I just, you know, and I, it took me a really like long time to understand that the passion I had for music of all these bands, like somebody was feeling that way about my music. I never, it, I swear, like there's even times now when that doesn't quite compute, you know. And and I guess the realization of that is is probably important and important to, for your confidence too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. Like, you know, I'm I'm a grown I'm a grown adult man now, and I'm sitting here looking at this poster that just you know, instantly connects me to, to that moment and to know that I can create that moment literally every day. If I chose to, that's why I like being at the table all night. That's why I don't like having a, you know, a a rock star wannabe mentality of, you know, being, being, make myself less accessible so I can appear to be more important. I don't give a shit about all that stuff. There's definitely that, 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 you know, mystery that certain bands want to have. Um, yeah. And it's, I, I think it's going, I think that's kind of going away more and more with social media and stuff and people putting themselves out there. But I want to ask you, so, so at this point in your life, you're, you're seeing Fairweather and they're the band that makes you want to sing. And you're, you know, you're getting this taste of, of what it's like to be in a band playing shows, um, being able to, to express yourself. Was that it for you then? Was, was there a moment there where you were like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. No, I don't think, I think it took me a long time to figure out, um, you know, not, not divesting from, from prior interests or hobbies or goals, but, uh, figure out a way that I could just maintain and continue being a, a right brained a right brained <laughs> right brained creative artist. Um, okay. Yeah. I guess, I guess as, as, as life has gone on and as I've had multiple experiences, um, through through many facets of life, I think I just want to continue being myself. And it took me a long time to figure out what that meant. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of right brain individuals that get forced into a left brain life. Um, oh yeah, and for me, no you know, yeah. yeah, for me, it's you know, money. It takes a little bit of money to live and be happy and be secure and. You know, at this point in my life, I'm I'm right where I feel like I can do the most good with who I am. Um, you know, I, I feel like that that old cliche, like secret of life, like what's the meaning of life? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I feel like it's it's using your creative ambitions and and talents to help other people deal with you know whatever situations they're dealing with in life. Um, whether that's scrutiny or whether that's uh, like a celebratory, you know, like 
you can do both as a as a singer in a band like we can have shows and have kids have a blast and have a you know connect to one another and meet new people and friends as we did growing up in that surrounding right. you know yeah. that's uh no matter how old i ever get you know i feel like <laughs> the, if you get to that point where you're like i'm too old like you just died man like <laughs> you're I never so too, too old man but i think like like you know you're not a i think we're about the same age how old are you I'm 34. I'm 35. Yeah, so we're about the same age. It makes sense. We like all the same bands, uh, but no, it's it's interesting though. I mean, like you don't look very old. People always tell me I look good for my age. I still get ID'd sometimes when I buy like lottery tickets. Um, That's the and, best. But honestly, dude, I think that doing what we do, keeping your head young, keeping your mind young, hanging out with people younger than you, I think that that kind of works. You know, to get into that mindset. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm crazy, but but I really do think there's something to that whole, um, you know, that just having, still having that youth energy, um, I think it works. Yeah, it's, uh, I, it helps having good genes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that all the time. Like, I'll, I'll tell somebody on tour, you know, and they're like, wait, what? Really? Like, I thought you were like 24. And I'm yeah. like, sure, yeah, you that's look, fine. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you, uh, you look like a young buck, man. So, yeah. so keep it up. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Garrett Rapp of The Color Morale. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long, long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or that show you want to go to, and none of these older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go when I need tickets to something. Just a couple weeks ago, one of my favorite bands, brand new, was in Toronto, and I had a ticket, but I needed to get one for a friend, just a single ticket. So I quickly went on the SeatGeek app right on my phone, and I was able to find a super good price. See, everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites, ensuring you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work, and you save time and money. Also, SeatGeek wants you to get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. So immediately, you'll see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. But hey, best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab and click add a promo code, enter the promo code SHANE20, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made the first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SHANE20 today. Seriously though, I know you're going to shows, I know you're going to concerts, why not get $20? Why not do it? So real simple, once again, go get the SeatGeek app, settings and tab, add a promo code, promo code SHANE20, boom. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. SeatGeek's the best. I use it all the time. So check it out. But I got to ask you too, um, you say you struggle with depression. I'm sure it's a lot better than it was, um, you know, years back. But it must be so difficult for you just night after night, day after day to have to, to, you know, do you ever feel like you're obligated to be there for these kids? Like they expect you now to be at the merch. They expect you to be available. Um, you know, you have to listen to 
people's problems and you have to know what to say. And there must be times when you're just tired and there's times when you, oh, maybe man. you're going through something yourself where it's just hard to be available. Is that something that is a struggle for you? Yeah, it is. It's like, you know, I, I try to always be, be friendly and be polite and affable and, and be, be welcoming. Um, you know, you should never make a kid feel like they're, they're a nuisance or, or they're, you know, a burden to you. Like I'm, right. I'm lucky that I, I'm, I'm lucky I get to be at the merch table for two, three hours a night. Like, you know, but at the same time as a human being, like, yeah, that, that being on tour in general is a very taxing experience in life. Um, so I, I feel like it's like a, it's a double-edged sword. Like there's a personal reward for me when I know I'm doing something good for someone um, but it comes with a price, you know, like warp tour. We played one of the Canada dates, a warp tour, um, on warped. I'll go to our table every night, right after our set. Um, yep. you know, the band will do its, its full band signing, but I'll go to merch like directly after I, you know, I walk off stage and I'm down there and I'm winded and I'm sweaty and I'm tired. And th- that's not even the hard part. The hard part is when you have a line full of kids and, you know, one after another, after another, after another are dealing with such heavy right. life experiences, you know, like, like the self harm thing. Um, you know, I, I decided to talk about that a lot on our last record and, and I had to do so because I, people don't understand, like you have a hundred, 200, 300 people a day come up to you and show you, you know, regardless of what, what your opinion is on if this is for attention or if it's for, you know, it's kids being kids, like whatever it may be, you might not have had someone come up to you in tears talking about their son that killed himself because he was bullied in high school or seeing this beautiful young lady with, with just scars up and down her arm, hundreds of them. Yeah. Uh, some of them, you know, open, you know, that's shit that I see every single day. And it's, you know, it, it bothers me that if I choose to make a record and talk about it, you know, so I've, I've seen people say, you know, Oh, the Colorado, like it's a sellout band that talks about stupid shit, like, like scars and harming yourself and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you don't understand the things that I see or the things that I hear on a daily basis. And it's gotten to a point now to where, I mean, I'll, I'll be sitting in total silence and I'm just like, I try not to let myself get too personally invested in trying to help everyone because I can't. Yeah. Um, that's why I work with heart support a lot. That's why I work with hope for the day a lot. Yeah. Um, those are two non for profits that I know, uh, I can direct people and, you know, sure, young yeah, people no. that we are, work, we work with John, with Johnny and, and Jake. Like, yeah. They are great people and they are really trying to make a difference. So, but dude, I mean that that's the thing, man. Like especially dealing with what you deal with yourself, like there must just be days. I mean, you got Warp Tour coming up too. I mean, you know, are you you must be excited, but then at the same time like some stuff it just must be so difficult. Oh my god. Well, it's all, it's almost like a, you know, it's a challenge. Like are you going to are you going to carry this and rise above it or are you going to let it swallow you? Yeah. Um and those are the things that I deal with when I'm on tour. Um 
you know, I, I've noticed like this last year, I've been drinking way more than I ever have in my life. And I, wow. I've been like, I've kind of been like stepping back and, and really, really analyzing that. Like, am I doing this as like a, a coping mechanism and, and maybe I'm not even aware of it. Um, you know, and it's something I've, I've kind of tried to nip in the ass before I let it, you know, really, I've seen a, a million friends, you know, yeah swallow up their careers and lives you know because they they start abusing a substance too much um, it is interesting right though that about that thing like um i sit here and you know i drank last night and i drank the night before i drank the night before i think it, yeah like you know when you start counting down counting back the days you know and you realize yeah you have, you've you've drank for how many days in a row and you you know especially with like with our lifestyle like if if we show, let's be honest. If we show up to work and we've had a couple of drinks, like no one's going to say anything to us. Do you know what I mean? Like it's part of our, it's it's okay in our job, right? Yeah. And so it's, so that's you know you can't do that. No, but I'm just saying like you can't do that yeah. if you work at like an office job or something, right? So I don't want to I don't want to make that an excuse, but at the same time, sometimes you wonder. Oh yeah, like having a drink is fun, but yeah, you you kind of don't realize sometimes maybe you subconsciously do need this as a coping mechanism and i'm like i'm kind of there with you too and talk about i'd say in the last year i've been drinking more than i ever have too and and i you know i don't know man that's really really crazy you bring that up yeah it's uh it's almost like a you know since we've been home this is the longest the band has not been on tour since we've been a band um you know, we, we had a lot of preparation going into the new record and a lot of time to write. Aaron and I were actually flying back and forth to L.A. doing co-writes with a, with a ton of people. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, this is the first time we've actually really had time to write a record uh, since the band started, you know. So it's uh, – I noticed that, you know, I've spent a lot of time in L.A. and I've I've been around so many different kinds of people and, you know – nothing's ever affected me in the past. I mean, even, even growing up in, you know, in post high school time, you know, the skate park days, like everybody got into drugs and it was just never my thing. It was, yeah. you know, and now you, you look at like being a full-time musician on tour all the time and you know how accessible the, the party lifestyle is. And it's like, man, I, that was never my thing. Why now? You know, like, and I've been I've been thinking about that a lot lately. It's uh, yeah. Man, I feel like well, when you're I when gotta I'm, say, man. Sorry, go ahead. I interrupted. Oh, that's okay. I was just. I, gonna, I guess. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Shane. No, you go ahead. Um, I guess you get to a certain point, and it's like, you know, you. It's, it's really hard to sum up. Like, maybe it's a way of coping with talking to so many people about such serious subject matter maybe it's a way you know when when you're in a band and the band grows and things kind of come more become commercialized and and less organic and and you know maybe this is my way to deal with like i can't ever let this become a gimmick because if it does then i am the epitome of everything i wanted to be and didn't want to be as an artist you know so I, I kind of feel like that's something I've struggled with a lot lately is uh, is is making sure that this band never becomes a selling point or a gimmick. 
That, that's not why I talk about what I talk about. Well, that's the you know? thing. I mean, I've heard people even say that about about color morale. Like it's almost like they're they've taken this too far. That it's like they're profiting off of people's uh, pain. You know? Yeah. And, and, and like it, and and I don't I def, you know I defend you guys and I say well you know you don't really understand because I'm I'm there too and I'm like maybe I was. I don't know. I don't know if it was a good decision. Um, it wasn't a conscious decision, but I've I've always like been open to talk to people about anything. But I have always put a bit of a wall up between my own pain and the pain other people are going through, um, to where maybe people aren't, you know, I, I, they don't they don't maybe don't think I'm going to understand as much as you're going to understand, which is why I've seen you know the piles of letters that you get on a daily basis and everything. Um, and, yeah. You know, and, and I don't know, like. That's tough, man. I mean, do you think there's ever going to be a time when you're going to have to say, I just like, I need to work on myself and like, sorry, I just can't talk to people for a tour or do do you, or do you think that you're just too invested, like not invested, vested in, in this, you know, that you've, you know, you've taken it this far now and you kind of can't go back. I think that's something in the past few years in touring, you know, I look back and, Oh yeah, you guys did a tour with them, right? Like, are, are they pretty cool dudes? And it's like, man, I, I'm not really sure. I didn't hang out with anyone that entire tour, you know. And right. my reason for that was between talking all night at a merch table and then getting in the van and having to just decompress and and really just settle down. You know, I, I've been kind of as much as I've talked to everybody uh, as far as fans or showgoers goes. Uh, or online and social networking or, you know, in messages or letters or, you know, at the same time, like, I haven't really been able to go and enjoy my time with me, you know, and with hanging out. One of my favorite things to do is just go out and, and have a couple drinks with friends and just talk about the old days or talk about life or, you know, yeah, just just connect. That's one of my favorite things to do because I never had that when I was young, you know, so. I guess I guess you I, I can't ever get in the you know I'm in over my head mindset, but it's like you know I don't I don't ever want to invest in the opinions of people that don't know me or know the color morale or know you know you can't do that that that'll literally just drive you insane if you're trying to please the world right I, I know what I do and I know why and I know you know anybody that thinks that the the band does this for a, a profit gain like. Dude, I still make way under minimum wage, so you can write that one off <laughs> instantly. So, you know, I I look at like, you know, talking about like like tattoos, like you know, I just had a a big wall flag created that's gonna be in a pre order package for the record. Um I, I've always saved every color morale tattoo uh photo that I've found like since day one. Right. Um and I, I think this flag has like like 3,800 tattoo photos. 3,800? Yeah, yeah. I, I was wow insane. Like, I couldn't believe this when I, I just sent the file and I looked at the photo count and I'm like, this is 3,800 photos. Like, every every Instagram, every Facebook, every tweet, every in-person, you know, I, I've saved and, and put in a file. That's very cool. Very cool. And at that point, it's like, you know what? Whatever I'm dealing with today, whatever someone's opinion on YouTube is, whatever, anybody has to say, I did something good with my time here. 
if, if this created something or inspired somebody to do something positive with their life, great. I did something with mine, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I get that. I get that. Um, yeah, well back to drinking, um, a warp tour, it's going to be, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a bit of a, that's the thing about warp tours. People don't understand. It's like you're on stage for 30 minutes. You got a signing. There's a lot of sitting behind the trailer, pounding Bud Lights. Like, uh, oh yeah. Are you? How are you feeling about that? Actually, I had a fan question. There's a few fan questions. I, I thought I wanted to incorporate some fan questions because uh, you know you're so close with your fans. And Jersey Sky asked that. She she asks, uh, "What are you most looking forward to and dreading about Warp Tour?" So let's let's address that. I think I'm I'm most dreading the intensive heat. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, that's like everybody asks, like, what's what's one of your like tips for Warp Tour? Like, dude, water. Just bring as much as you can drink. It's uh, you know, some of those days in like Florida or like Vegas Ugh, or New I Mexico, know. they're just so is there a hot. Vegas date this year? Uh, I believe so. Oh Jesus! Yeah, there is. Oh, rough. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, that's, I'm probably dreading that the most. Yep. And I feel like that's, uh, you, you can't really let yourself dread anything. Warp Tour is such an amazing time, an amazing experience. The fact that it's been going on for as many years as it has. And the, you ever think about that? Like, they set this up and tear it down and move it to another city every day. I know, it's insane. Like, it's that amazing. blows my mind. Like, so so don't let yourself like complain or like bitch about anything. Like it's right. just incredible. You know, the fact that that even exists. Like kids don't understand how much stress and how much insanity goes into keeping a a, a festival like that going for this many years. No, so it's true. I have a lot of respect for Warp Tour too. Um, yeah, you know, and and everything that that they've put together and Kevin and Lisa like holding down the fort all these years. Um, I gotta ask you though, like there has been some controversy the last couple of years. Um, I know your friend Johnny Craig, you know, I know you guys are super tight. You know, he was kind of at the forefront of it last year. Um, was there, did you have any reservations about the tour going into it? Um, you know, how that was handled? I know, I'm sure you heard about it. Um, yeah, I mean, and I'm kind of just wondering your stance on it and, and your take. I mean, I guess, I guess here's the thing, like, I know, you know, Johnny, Johnny's had his experiences and his, his problematic recurring situations. Um, but at the end of the day, nobody's perfect. People are, people fuck up in life. That's, that's part of being a human and part of learning and growing. Yep. Um, there's good people in the world. There's bad people in the world. Good people do bad things. Bad people do good things. Uh, I guess it's, uh, you know, like I see so many stories uh, on <clears throat> the front, front porch step dude, um, you know, and the whole like young people and, and warp tour. And, you know, like I see a lot of talk about that now associated. Um, the only talk I, I ever like to, to include with warp tour is just how much fun it is and how great it is that that exists. Um, like some of the, some of the best music experience I ever had, uh, back in the day, there was a, a music festival called Cornerstone. It was like a yeah, the Christian big, one, yeah, 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 big Christian music festival. And you know, I I think I went to like six or seven of those in a row, and that was like the most amazing experience. Just you camp for like a week, and you got to see all these like 
awesome bands like as cities burn and you know gosh who else and berlin and you know there's just so many cool bands you get to go and see and that was such a fun experience so like it, it really bums me out to see i i mentioned something uh i, I think i was i brought up warp tour the other day talking to somebody and they were like oh dude i heard about that guy on warp tour like what guy on warp tour and they bring up the like front porch step story. And I'm like, dude, that just bums me out that the first thing somebody would, you know, somebody would attach to the name is, is some dumb headline making story. Like, yeah, that has nothing to do with warp tour. That has nothing to do with the music scene. That has nothing. That's a, a problemed individual that made uh, some huge mistakes. I do agree Um, with you, except I do think that the whole culture surrounding it, you know, like, it needs to change because that that can't be tolerated, you know. That yeah. can't exist, and the fact that it does exist, you know, there are occurrences. Um, I'm not just talking about Warp Tour. I'm just talking about the whole scene. Um, you know, those are things that I think really need to be addressed. And I just wondered, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Has there been any talk? Like, because you guys are doing the tour and it starts like very soon. Um, has there been any talk from Warp Tour? You know, is there any briefing with anything of the bands of, you know, any new like policies or anything in, in place? Um, I, I know there's a there's a big meeting the the day before the production day. Um, okay. And I'm sure this is going to cover you know all of that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I don't think yeah, I think people read things in the internet and they're so quick to invest on what's said on the internet. Um, for me, I've I've never once felt like Warp Tour was a threat. Or anything like that. I think that's you know that's crazy. That's that's like saying going to the gas station is a threat because there could be some. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I, just, I, I think that that's fairly accurate. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I think that you have to. I mean, there's always that that whole thing like what people want to say like, oh well, you know, yeah, drugs are dangerous. Yeah, well, driving in a car is dangerous. You can die in a car. It's like well, right? You know, you 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 got to be careful with that analogy. But I do know what you mean. I think there is a lot of stuff overblown about about the dangers of Warp Tour. Like the second a little young girl, the second a young girl walks in, there's going to be like some guys trying to, you know, whatever. I don't. You yeah. know, it's not like that. No, not so at all. I think all. that that's I mean, a big, you know, misnomer. I, I can't count how many times that I would, you know, a couple summers ago, I'd, I'd be sitting in a lawn chair, hanging out with the Vanna dudes, or hanging out with somebody, you know, that we're friends with, and. It's like just a good time. It's just laid back and everybody's grilling out and, you know, having a couple drinks. And it's, you know, I I don't even remember anybody under the age of 21 being around, you know, like. uh, Uh, To be honest with you, I don't really remember. I don't really see that either. Yeah. That was not a problematic thing at all. It was, uh, you know, I feel like that's been blown up. Like I I read some kind of somebody was starting a petition to make all the crew or something be 21 and over. And it's like, you know, is this really like this big of a deal or is it just kind of the internet that's made it this big of a deal? You know, like, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Why 21 and over just because of drinking? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, okay. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) Or or 18 and over, whatever it was like, you know, I don't. I don't think I've ever met a crew member on tour that was under eighteen. I no, <laughs> I, was like, I don't. I, I don't think so. No. That's, yeah, that would be kind of crazy. Get a, you have to yeah, get a note just, from their mom or something so they can come. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of like 
Ugh. I don't know. Anyways, man, let's uh, let's talk. Let's well, fuck it. Let's get into these fan questions. Justin Bracken wants to know about your daily diet. Oh man, <laughs> that's a uh, that's a work in progress. Constant work in progress. <laughs> um, Taco Bell. Uh... So I've been like I've gone back and forth. It's like a it's like an ever going teeter totter of life where I'm like, you know, I try to I try to maintain a somewhat healthy diet. But keyword try, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love, I love bread. I love <laughs> food. I just love to eat. Like, so, you know, my, my whole family, like, like we're a love handle family. Like nobody in my family's <laughs> fat or, or, you know, obese, but it, you know, we all have these stupid love handles that just won't go away <laughs> unless you literally eat salad all day, every day of your life. So it's just, <laughs> it's like, you know what? I, I try my best to eat healthy and, and stay healthy and, and drinking water is a big one. Um, yeah, especially yeah. as a singer, you know, the, the first place water goes in your body is your mucous membranes, which your esophagus is lined with. So I try to drink as much water as, as I can. That's um, the key. Yep. You got it. A, a human being should be drinking half their, half their body weight in ounces a day. So, you know, that's, that's like, 90 ounces a day for me. So I, that's that's my biggest thing is just make sure you're drinking enough water. Absolutely. But uh, the other thing, though, I wanted to ask you before, but I didn't. I mean, you go into the table and talking to kids in the loud environment for like two, three hours, doesn't that wear out your voice? Oh, like, that yeah. That must be yeah, so uh... hard, like, <clears throat> like whether it's before you sing or after you sing. Like, that can't be good. Oh, yeah. It's so – it's brutal sometimes. Like I'll I'll have nights where, you know, my voice is, is already shot before we even play and it's just, uh, you know, well, if my vocal cords aren't there, I'll try to speak louder with, uh, you know, with my, what I'm saying and, and, you know, the uh, the point I'm trying to make. Maybe I'll try to use – maybe I'll try to speak a little louder in that department tonight if I don't have the, the yeah, voice for it. Geez, yeah, um, and then you, you sing and you scream and you, you know, like a lot of times – uh, my diet gets poor on the road because I, I don't have time to eat until sure. we get to a gas station at one in the morning. And then it's like, wow, I haven't, I haven't eaten anything since a Starbucks bagel this morning. Like I'm starving, <laughs> yeah. but now I'm going to stop body with all this food. It's terrible. But you know, I, I'm, I'm like always sick too. Cause I'm always hands and, and, you know, giving hugs and, you know, so I'm always sick, but you know, you can't ever use the like, well, I sounded bad tonight because I'm sick. Like nobody cares. You can't use that excuse. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, there's a few questions. This is sort of related. There's a couple questions. Shadley Cooper and uh, Colin Frossell. They're both asking you about your uh, screaming, which I guess has changed. People think it has changed dramatically over the last uh, couple records. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that a conscious thing? Um, what's the story there? Yeah, that's a. Uh... Back in the day, in like beginning color morale days, um, when when we started color morale, we got rid of the second vocalist um, to where, you know, the band at that point, myself included, was pretty heavily influenced by uh, by bands like Misery Signals. Um, oh, great band! So you know, we were at that point, we were more of a metal infused uh, metalcore band, I would say. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I had a completely different vocal delivery. Um, so starting the third record, um, I got into a point to where doing vocals that way was, was, you know, I had some, some vocal lessons and I started learning that, that the way I was doing vocals wasn't correct. I was, I was actually harming my, my vocals. 
So I know I needed to change something. It was, it was kind of the exact same dynamic that, uh, that Caleb, uh, found, you know, Caleb Shomo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing with him. He had a completely different vocal style and, and attack attack. And, you know, he was hurting his voice and, and it was working harder, not smarter. Uh, so going into the no hope record, um, I actually learned, uh, there was a band called close your eyes who lost their front man okay. at that time. Yeah. And they'd, they'd asked me to fill in, um, a tour. They were going to Europe with under oath. Um, and they asked me if I could fill in and, and do the tour with them. So I learned like a 13 song set, uh, trying to emulate Shane's vocals. And in doing so, I was like, dude, I, I can do this. Like I can play 13 songs and st- sing a falsetto note when I'm done. Like th- this wow. doesn't hurt my voice at all. So, um, I, I, I learned that I didn't really have to preconceive a vocal delivery. It just came out. So that was, I, I found what I, should be doing as a, as a, you know, a quote unquote screamer, I guess. Um, so that was, that explains the big change, uh, from the second to the third record. And I think when people hear this new record, uh, it, they're going to be completely shocked again. I totally stopped screaming on the record. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I listened to an interview where you said that, and that was my next question was, is the new record have any screaming on it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I it totally doesn't. stopped screaming. I've well, we've got we've got three, four songs um, where Aaron is actually our guitar player is doing all the screaming. Uh, Aaron's voice is just incredible for that. Cool. Um, so it's like we have this very strong asset to the band that isn't being used at all, and I don't want personally to scream anymore. I really enjoy singing, and for me, you know, as I've kind of grown and and things I'm into musically right. And just, I don't really want to do that. So, you know, Aaron, Aaron listens to, you know, gosh, I can't even think of some of the bands he's into right now. Like, I know he's, he's always in a misery signals. He always loves. So he's like the metal guy. He's the metal dude in the band. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, you know, I think people are going to hear it and, and they're going to love it because he's a phenomenal screamer. Um, but this song is, or this song, this record is very, uh, very first chorus, uh, very structured, and just I think these are the best songs the Color Morales ever written. Um, right. You know, we've kind of we've been so focused on technicality and and writing things that are cool as bandmates. Um, to for a couple of years, like thinking about the songs that you listen to. Why do you listen to, why do I still listen to that Jimmy World song from the Clarity Record? Why do I still listen to this song? You know, what is it about that that connected me to, to make me still 10 years later listen to it? And I, I think this record is when I, Aaron and I especially really came together as songwriters and learned how to write good songs. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, the key, you know, man. yeah. Yeah. Not, not when, when the melody comes before the lyric. I know every, song on this album we wrote on a piano before a right. lyric was added um we've never done that as a band before. well i always say man if you can strip down a song to just you know chords and a melody and it's good it will always be good it doesn't matter what style you put on it you know whether yeah. it's metal or metal core or <laughs> death core or whatever people are calling music at this any given year it's like if you strip it down to to chords and melody that's all that matters. So I think yeah. you guys are on the right track. You said you worked with some co-writers. 
Was that the first time you did yeah, that? Yeah, we actually um, it was it was cool. Like doing the Hold On Pain Ends record, we had a couple co-writes. At that point in time, I was so close off to writing music with anyone that was not in my band. It was uh, you know, I, I feel like I was almost like a detriment to our to our band because I wouldn't allow co-writes. Right. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, we've still never done one, and I, I don't know. I maybe I'm kind of like I still have that mindset that you did. Like it's my band. I want to yeah, write the like, songs. So I guess maybe once you get over that, it's probably liberating because you're like, wow, this is like really good. Yeah, it's it's like you could never abandon yourself as a writer, but also keeping an open mind. Um, yeah, I learned things in this record cycle that you know that have really been a focal point in my songwriting. Um, one of them is. You know, keeping keeping an open mind to pop sensibility. Um, sure. You know, usually, I mean, even in the past, I, I hate harmonies. I like vocal harmonies. I hate anything that that is infused with pop. But <laughs> how can you hate melody? That's just not, if <laughs> how can you be a musician and hate melody? That makes no sense at all. So yes, it makes like, no sense at all. I mean, you're saying you love ahead. Jimmy Eat World, like that's the yeah, like that they're all melody. So like, what? what am I so afraid of when it comes to writing catchy melodies? Like there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So we did co-writes with, uh, let's see here. Scott Stevens, um, Matt Scott Wetworth. Stevens. I only know the hockey player, Scott Stevens, but that's him. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. He's coming. Um, He's going to nail you to the boards. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we did, uh, Scott Stevens, Eric Ron, uh, Matt Wentworth and Courtney Ballard. Um, we we did a lot of. Th- that's a very diverse mix of of writers, um, cool. but also people that are all extremely uh, experienced. And you know, it's all people we we know and have personal relationships with, and and we trust. Uh, so, you know, writing with Scott. Scott is a very. Uh, he's a he's a really active rock. Um, active rock guy uh-huh. he used to sing in a band called the Xies um back in the day okay uh and uh, writing with him was I, I learned something oh and arnold lanny was another oh another i know arnold. he's canadian he's canadian i know him. yeah I know yeah arnold. yeah so it was uh you know i feel like I, I took something away with every one of those sessions um and i love the finished product came out this is my i think this is my favorite you know, these are my favorite songs we've ever written. The, the weakest song in this record could have been a, a single on the last one. Wow. You know, the, la- cool. the last record was, you know, stuff Aaron and I in a room and, and write a whole record in like three weeks. Yeah. Uh, it was very rushed. It was very, you know, I'm, I, I don't regret anything. And there's some really cool things that we did on Hold On Pain Ends. But uh, I, I feel like the, the rush of the music and the overall presentation kind of got a little lost in translation. But it... It still came out great, and I'm proud of it, and I'm thankful for everything, you know, that was done that, that Fearless helped us with. And um, but this record just very, very prepared and well thought out. And great. these songs are are great. I just, I'm I'm really excited to just finally release it. We've just been sitting waiting, you know. Oh, okay, so the record is done. Um, you don't you don't know when it's coming out? Do you have a date? Um, it's going to be August. Oh gosh. How do I forget this date? It's been said like 7,000 times. <laughs> um, August, it's a Friday. We know it's a Friday. August 19th. August 19th. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, cool. Do and you have a record, title? Do you have a title for the record? Yeah. The record's titled, uh, Desolate Divine. 
Desolate Divine. Awesome. And that'll be coming out on Fearless Records. Uh, why the change from Rise to Fearless? Um, I think we just got to a point. Our contract was up with Rise and yep. just wanted to, to try something new. Um, I love Craig and Sean and, and Matthew and, and the Rise family. Um, still, still great friends. We still talk all the time. Um, but it's uh, just just wanted to try something new. Oh, I get it. You know, no, the, Rise and Fearless are both really, really great labels. So you guys yeah, have been, lo- been yeah. lucky to be on uh, on two really great labels. Yeah, and we had a we had a bunch of meetings and, and met a bunch of you know really really cool people, really solid people. Um, before we chose Fearless, we just we felt like our goal as a band and our vision, you know, really connected most with Fearless. Um, to where you know Fearless gives us. The, the creative control, but they also give us the resources to, to make it bigger and reach more people. You know, it's just, it's a, they're, they're an amazing family over there. Like all the girls in the office and, and Chris and everybody over there. We love those guys. That's amazing. No, that's great. That's great to see, uh, to see that. And, um, yeah, I expect big things from this record. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be huge for you guys, especially coming off, uh, the entire warp tour. Uh, one more fan question and I'll let you go. Um, this is from, uh, oh, this name must be a joke. Uh, Terry Hesticles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I already love it. Beautiful. I don't even care what the question is. <laughs> uh, he, uh, no, the question is, is cool. I wanted to ask you about this. It says, uh, how are you able to play two shows in two countries on the same day? <laughs> oh yeah, that was awesome. Um, we, so we had this, this festival booked in, uh, in Canada and, at the same time, we were on tour with a with a band called Nothing More, and that show was in New York. So it was like you either you know our festival date. We were like the second to last band. Um, it was like us and somebody in August Burns Red, uh-huh. uh, and it was like you're gonna have to cancel the festival or cancel this tour date. And it was like, well, dude, we're direct support for Nothing More, so you know we can't really cancel anything. Like how can, how can we make this work? So we got in touch with the promoter and kind of explained and, you know, explained that we didn't want to cancel the festival. Uh, so he let us play an early set. Uh, we woke up, we played at, played at one o'clock in Canada, drove, <laughs> I think it was four or five hours to New York. Do you remember what cities? Or, no, I'm sorry. This is not New York. There was Flint, Michigan. Oh, okay, Flint, Michigan. So, do you remember yeah. where in Canada the uh, the show was? Because this is my neck oh, of the woods, so I'm, I'm sure I know it. Yeah, I'm spacing. It was. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the Koi Fest. Oh yeah, Koi Fest, Kitchener. Yes, yeah, Kitchener. Kitchener. Yeah. So it was it was Koi Fest to Flint, Michigan. There you go. And it was literally like play the show, pack up. We didn't even sell merch. I I, I remember as the band was packing, I was flying back and forth to the trailer because there was you know, just a line of people wanting to buy merch and we didn't even have merch set up. So it was like, you know, a, a lady like came up and she really wanted to get a hoodie for her daughter. Um, cause her daughter couldn't make the festival. So I'm like, dude, what size I'll run and grab it real quick. And <laughs> I'm literally flying back and forth as the band's like frantically packing up so we could get on the road to head to, to Michigan. And, you know, we, we get in the, in the van and we fly out of there and we get to, uh, to Michigan as the first band started playing and set up merch and boom, two shows, two countries. It's a good thing you didn't have a, (laughs) it's a good thing you didn't have a long wait at the border. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, the border horror stories, like, uh, you you know, you could have totally got, totally got fucked on that one, but it was kind of like, uh, 
never say die mentality. Like, there you, you go. Know, let's, if there's a way we can do this, let's do it, man. Like, you know, <laughs> make it happen. There you go, man. Well, it was, it was a cool story. Like right two on, countries man. and in the same day. That's pretty awesome. Right on, man. Well, <laughs> Hey, I, uh, I will let you go. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time this afternoon to, uh, jump on the phone with me and, um, yeah, man, enjoy warp tour. Uh, enjoy the, you know, the new record coming out. Is there, when is, when is the new uh, song going to be dropped? You know that? Yet? Um, the 20th, 23rd, the day before Warp Tour, actually. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So people have people, yeah, so uh, that's... people look out for that. And, uh, one more thing. A, a fan asked you what the most meaningful song is. So what I want to do is we always play music on this podcast. I want to play, you know, the, the most meaningful color morale song, uh, to you right now to end the episode. So, um, would you mind uh, introducing the song and just talking a little bit about it and then we'll play it and then you'll be on your way. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the most meaningful song, um, if I had to pick one song, I, I would pick the one that, that I've seen the most connection. Um, I think at the end of the day, the connections we make are what, what are most important in our life. They're definitely what's most important for our band. Um, so we have a song called strange comfort. Uh, I feel like the lyrical content, the aesthetics of the song really deliver a strong point of talking to one another. Um, there's a lyric in that song that goes, uh, when we lose ourselves, we find each other. Um, and I'm actually like sitting here looking at a picture or a poster on my wall that I had made of a, a kid in a wheelchair crowd surfing up to me at warp tour, uh, the Colorado date. And I put, he was autistic in a wheelchair uh, had a bunch of people lift him up in the back of the crowd and carry him up to me. And I put the microphone to him and he sang that into the microphone. Um, it was one of the most powerful moments I've ever had in my life. And it was to that song. Awesome. And it was, uh, it was really cool. Uh, at that point told me that any struggle that I will have in my life, if I'm vocal about it and I express myself through my music and my creative talents and, and arts, uh, I'm doing something good with my life and I'm doing something productive for someone else. I think that's the, that's the secret of life that I've found, uh, that's right. where I'm at right now. And, and so far, so, so um, it helps them and it helps you. Yeah. And I guess, you know, with that being said, don't ever, don't ever worry about being too much of a fuck up to where you can't help yourself or help somebody else. Um, you know, no matter what you've done in your life, you can, can still do something, uh, positive for somebody. So, Absolutely, man. All right, well, yeah. here it is. Strange Comfort on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thanks a lot, Garrett. You have a great day. Thanks so much, Shane. Take care. All the best.